people are stressed, tired of the pandemic, more focused on vaccines. In fact, fewer people are getting tested. Almost a year later, we're hearing the same questions about COVID-19 testing. At that time, we heard, who needs a COVID-19 test? Which test should I get? What do the results mean? What if I have a positive test? Do I need to stay home after I have a test? Who will do what with my test results? Although I spend many hours every week learning about COVID-19 and its personal and societal impact, I can't say I know that much about testing. I'm not a scientist, a virologist, an epidemiologist. Although I am a pretty smart, curious person with my ear to the ground, I'm pretty nervous about tackling the topic of testing. It feels no less complicated than ever. Still, here goes. Following my person-first approach to health, let's start with people's circumstances and life flow. Put testing into a context of managing the risk of COVID-19. Then let's tackle what testing even means, what to expect from testing, and then circle back to the person. How do the results impact our circumstances and life flow? Welcome to Health Hats, learning on the journey towards best health. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege living in a food oasis who can afford many hats and knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. Most people wear hats one at a time, but I wear them all at once. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. Circumstances and life flow. Well, how does it start? Well, person feels poorly, flu-like, has a cough, breathing difficulties, altered taste and smell, or suspect they may have been exposed to someone. Oh my God, do I have COVID-19? I need to know for sure, right now. My life's routine flow has been interrupted. Wait, what if I have it? Can I go to work? Who else have I, or could I give it to? Do I even want to know? Do I even want to know? Do I want anyone else to know? Will I lose my job? How will my family survive if I can't work? Ugh, fear, uncertainty, confusion. Reactions vary depending on age, living situation, work life, other illnesses, who depends on you, your history with illnesses, actually your specific normal. Managing the risk of COVID-19. Well, personally, we manage the risk of COVID-19 somehow, every day, whether we pay attention or not. We wear a mask or we don't, or sometimes do or sometimes don't. We physically distance and wash our hands, or we don't. 
or sometimes do and sometimes don't. As communities, we manage the risk the same way. Masks, distancing, rules, customs. We are all part of many communities that may have different rules and customs. Our family, our neighborhood, our workplace, our town, our state. Communities react differently to suspected COVID-19 as well. The constellation of community risk management can include testing, tracing, treating, isolating. See, testing is only one piece of it. I asked my friend Mary Ellen Cortezas, ME, to join us to help us better understand testing. Emmy has been running labs for about 25 years. While she isn't a lab tech, a pathologist, or a scientist, she and I have spent many hours mulling over the so what does it mean for regular folk for many topics over coffee and at meetings since we met and began working together at Boston Children's Hospital in 2008. Emmy Cortezaz, welcome. I'm so glad to be talking to you. Everybody, Emmy and I are old pals. We work together at uh, Boston Children's Hospital. I led the Patient Family Experience Initiative. Emmy ran the lab. And we actually got into some trouble together. <laughs> yes, we did, Danny. <laughs> Those are some of my favorite times at, at, at BCH, getting into trouble with you. Yes, yes. Anyway, what I wanted to talk to you about is about testing. Sure. It seems like such a, something that seems like such a mystery. And talking about testing is just like too big. It's just people talk about it and I want to say stuff like I don't think they understand it, but I don't understand it enough to be helpful myself. I just know that they're not right. <laughs> yeah. And the fact is the whole realm of testing, particularly for infectious diseases, is really complicated. And I'll just comment that I'm not a laboratorian. I run operations. And I've been fortunate in that although I do have a, a science degree and a background, I've been able to learn a lot and understand that Testing is complex, and yet people want this to be the, the be-all and end-all of, of any disease. And it's really, it really gets very challenging to try to explain to someone all of the complexities and how tests get built and what they're built for and what they're built not. And I've watched in my time very common diseases that despite years and years of research don't have defined laboratory tests that give people an answer. And that's a real challenge for folks, I think. It seems to me that testing puts you in a ballpark, but it doesn't, and it, maybe it helps with uncertainty, but it doesn't solve uncertainty, that it's a value. Each test will come up with a value, but then somebody has to interpret it. What does it mean? So what? And so what for people in general, yep. and so what for me? Exactly. Most lab tests, aside from pathology tests where a pathologist looks at maybe a tumor sample and can make a diagnosis, lab tests on their own contribute to diagnoses, but they're not the be-all and end-all. 
and people's everybody's a little different. And sometimes when we test, you're testing against yourself, how levels in your body change for certain things. But, and sometimes it's a standard. There's a general population number and you make, you create a reference range from the normal population. But it is, again, it's really complex for most people. So when we go really simple and we say that my sodium is a certain number or my glucose is a certain number, that may be fairly objective. But then what is the range of normal and what is the range of normal for me? Exactly. And okay. and most tests, when we when tests get built in laboratories, there's a, a, a normal range is built on sex, age, other illness or hereditary history that you might have. And all of those things get built into to a result. And it's highly regulated. It it starts with a baseline. So your sodium may be X, but it really most of most all of us know about our cholesterol levels. Mm-hmm. And those are all contingent on where you are in the process, your age, uh, and who you are. And all of those variables have to be taken into consideration by your doctor. And your doctor makes those final decisions about what that result may or may not mean. So screening, not diagnosis. Here we are talking about COVID testing, a screening test. Do you have it or don't you right now? With some genetic conditions like sickle cell, results don't change. Repeat tests give the same result. They're diagnostic. But in the case of an infectious disease like COVID-19, timing matters. Many factors matter. Test results inform a diagnosis. They're not at a diagnosis. An experienced clinician needs to interpret and to make the call. You likely have it now, or you don't. The screening tests generally are built to catch everything under the rainbow. Because in the the sense of an infectious disease, something very contagious, you don't want to miss anybody. So you'd rather have a few cases that you need follow-up for, what generally would be a gold standard test. In, In COVID land, the PCR, the molecular test, is the one that you really rely on for the most specific results. And that's the deep nasal pharyngeal where they go in your nose and take a swab. I think generally the most reliable tests are those pharyngeal, pharyngeal swabs, those NP swabs. Okay. And so then, so what you're saying is that sometimes a test is done and it's positive, but there's always a few people that aren't positive, that come up positive. Yep. Okay, so that's the false positive. And if somebody is, it comes up negative, but they're really positive, that's a false negative. And so they're trying to balance that. Right, and you have to understand in the whole testing cycle, which is has so many variables, from where the sample's collected, how well it's collected, how it's labeled, how it's stored, how it's sent, all of those things can contribute to a a false negative or or even a false positive. It's a very complex process to get a test done. And in my years, early, early years, when I was actually collecting samples, 
how you collect it matters. And there are certain ways to collect every test through the sun. Either you can get a false positive or, or a false negative. So all of these variables, how well you do the, it all impacts testing. And, and the reality is that although we certainly want it to be perfect, it's not a perfect system. And I think that makes it hard for people. And I, in terms of my conversations with my friends and family, it's hard to go down the rabbit hole of why it's so complex. But again, the other thing, Danny, is that most tests are a point in time. And so that means you know, you that if positive, if, but not, that doesn't mean that five minutes later, you might not be positive. If you were negative now, five minutes, you could be positive if you did it again. Probably a little more than five minutes. The next day, it is a point in time when you're measuring biochemical markers or other things that are not genetic, those things change. Wow. What we're talking about right now is a diagnostic test. Do I have something or don't I have something? Yeah, I would call it a clinical test because the diagnosis will come. Okay. So that's not a good thing, calling it diagnostic. Remember, it's a clinical test, which is subject to federal regulations so that it's performed very well. And the diagnosis will come when your doctor sees it. The PCR test can take a while to get the results. So if they're doing testing millions of people, there's only so much load. A testing facility, a lab can manage. And so it could take longer to get results. And yes, that's true. But running the test actually is probably not the, the gating mechanism. Okay. It's receiving all the tests and running them. And then, Danny, the informational interface of getting that result into the hands of the person who needs it. And so that could be the patient. It could be the doctor. Okay. Right. It's, it's very similar to vaccines. You have the vaccine. It's in your hand. But mm-hmm. how do you get it into the people yeah. and all the logistics that surround it? Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use Abridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. I want to think about the everyday person, you and me, who are concerned about our lives and our families and going to work, whether we're a you know, professional athlete or a stay-at-home person or whatever, what do I need to know about testing? Or what are the questions I should be asking? Either when somebody says, we need to test you, or when I think I need to be tested, it seems like that's like only the first question. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think that the the question is understanding why you're getting tested. 
and what you should expect from the result. Who's ever recommending you get the test should be able to tell you that. I think that the most important thing is that testing should, should never, ever, I think, stop us from being safe. Okay, okay. Testing is important, particularly if you're someone who is at risk and may have been exposed to try and get a handle on on what you how you you know what what needs to be done to keep someone safer but first asking your provider what it's for what you should expect and what it will and won't, won't give you i think mm-hmm. is the most important thing it seems that there's a lot of people who i need to get tested they haven't had a conversation with with their provider but they're worried about themselves. They're worried that they've been exposed or they want to go visit somebody or they're going to travel. And it's coming, it's originating with the person. Right now, until you can buy a test at the drugstore, like a pregnancy test, you don't need a prescription for a pregnancy test. So for now, all getting a test either comes from an order from your doctor or nurse or whoever, a prescribing person, or you go to a clinic that has walk-in testing. And those people should be able, should be asking you, why do you want to test? But there's information that they're seeking about your circumstances, because what you're saying is, the circumstances are important. Yeah. And I think people get tested for all sorts of reasons. If, if I want to go visit my son at school in Vermont, I've either got a quarantine or get a test within a certain time frame. People may get a, may have been exposed to other people. So you go and get a test to see. And, and again, listening to your public health guidelines, going to the, go, going to the CDC site and trying to learn about that. Mm-hmm. And in understanding that most all of these tests, all of these tests are really point in time. And yeah. you want to make sure that you do it in the right time frame to make sure that you've covered yourself. So far, the one of the most important things I'm hearing you say is first, it's having good habits. The physical distancing, wearing a mask, washing your hands. Then there's If you suspect or have symptoms, you consult, you get a test, somebody interprets them that you trust. Now people are all getting, trying to get vaccinated. Does testing change after vaccination? I think that's still a question to be answered by the researchers. Okay. There are, what I know is that sometimes with vaccines, you'll get an immune response, but it'll also be often different than what you might get in, from an infection. Okay. So I think that there, what's really challenging is that all of this testing, all of this work that's going on in research is happening as the disease unfolds right. in large numbers. So It's so real time, isn't it? It's so real time and there's so much work to do to really understand what is the best testing. And a lot of other a lot of other diseases that have been around longer have much more understood testing responses is being developed as we develop the vaccines. What is the right testing to see if you're immune as opposed to exposed? So that that's still being worked on. So as people have questions, if they are self-seekers, it's the CDC and the 
local health department are places to get information and your doctor. And your doctor. I would imagine most doctor's offices have informational places. You can go right to their website, mm-hmm. get the best information, and, and follow that. It's complicated and for, my, for myself. There's no magic bullet here. I've come across a lot of people I know that have great anxiety. And in, in, this is something we've never, ever seen in our lifetimes. And the anxiety and the, the need for answers is sometimes overwhelms. It was really funny. I was, there was someone I was talking to a while ago who had been very tangentially exposed, probably not a risk of exposure, but was completely distraught about this exposure. And I had along with this person, because they, if you've ever worked in healthcare, you become an expert on all things healthcare, which I always say, I'm not, I know enough to not be dangerous is what I mm-hmm. want to, the way I want to do it. But I said, look, if you're asking me my opinion on what I think, I can give it to you, but it's really not about my opinion. It's about how you feel. Yeah. And what's going to give you the level of comfort. And if you think you want to go to an urgent care center and get a test, then go get a test. Yeah. It's really challenging. It's very complex. And if if a person will feel better if they go to the their urgent care and get a PCR test and two days later get a negative result, that's what they got to do for themselves, yeah. even if they've been as safe as possible. But people have so many. In my family alone, my sister has a progressive type of lateral sclerosis. My brother-in-law has severe MS. My mother-in-law is elderly. I'm particularly, I might be worried about myself, but I'm mostly worried about my my friends and family. So mm-hmm. if I were faced with the potential of, of having to expose someone, I would, I, I certainly would go get, I wouldn't get, I, I would go get a, a, a test that my doctor would recommend. And I also would, as hard as it is, first and foremost, follow the rules and not put myself in unnecessary exposure. There are people who are afraid to get tests because they feel like if they get a test, they'll get a positive test and then they won't be able to work or something. So it seems like that even adds a whole nother layer. Yes, yes. But I think your interesting point about people who are afraid to get tested is is of particular importance to the people who are being, this mostly affects, I would say, Danny, the people that can least afford to not work and how much they're struggling. Yeah. And it's such, you and I have the luxury of controlling our own fates a lot more than some people do. Yes. And just think about how frightening this is for them. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Always good to chat with you. Yes. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. On that note, let's wrap up this challenging topic by going back to how COVID-19 testing results impact our circumstances and life flow. We got a test or we didn't. It's a threshold of life, like getting married, the day we first locked down from COVID, or received a diagnosis of cancer, something scary, disruptive. There's a before and an after. If we got the COVID-19 test, we wait for the results anxiously. What do I do while I'm waiting? Go about business as usual? Quarantine? Depends on whether you've been vaccinated or not. 
Again, things change so fast. New guidelines come out every day. I'm reluctant to say what you should do. Ask your doctor. Can I quarantine if I should? What if I live in a place where I can't isolate? Guidelines have limitations because they assume an average situation. There is no average situation. I get my results. A doctor, a clinician tells me I'm positive or negative. Negative is such a relief, but there's still tomorrow. What would the results be if I were tested three days later, a week later? If the doctor says you have COVID, well, that's another episode. I didn't get tested. What does that mean? Okay, what's the bottom line here? Some things aren't so complicated to me anyway. As always, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not every person. For me, wear a mask, physically distance, get vaccinated. Designate a health partner to help you when the shit hits the fan. You will need help to manage. Think. Stay relatively sane. If you can, think ahead. What doctor will you call? Where can you get a test? Geesh, I'm already into complicated. What makes me crazy is that most of these complications existed before COVID. Our leaders could have invested in the defense of our health, our community's health. We could have expected our leaders to invest, but we didn't. We can now. We can also help one more neighbor going through these complications. I'm going to recommend a few resources. Listeners can find the links in the show notes. The readers can see them below. Thanks. Thanks to Kayla Nelson, web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.